the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Good morning. Uh, didn't I tell you it would just supernaturally, I would be transfigured, caught up in the cloud, then my wife would appear like, we're doing supernatural things at Revival Life Church. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Um, worship, as always, was amazing. Um, I'm so thankful for our worship team, for Corey and the, and the whole team, and uh, Sawana and the team back there behind the tech booth, and my beautiful wife who makes sure I'm properly dressed and groomed before we come here. Uh, I'm thankful for my family who's here, and I'm really f- thankful that you guys are here uh, with us today. And uh, I, I, I consider it an honor um, that we're just staying connected with such amazing people. Um, I, I consider it just really um, just the honor of my life that you would uh, allow me to bring the Word of God into your home, uh, that you would carve some time out of your week to hear what the Lord is speaking to our house. And um, we continue to pray with all of you who are really trying to make things work in this season. And uh, those of you who have family members who are struggling with sickness, those you've reached out to us um, to ask us to pray. My wife and I, we pray every night for you and we will continue. Um, and uh, I just thank you for being with us. So <clears throat> today we're continuing our message series, The Road to the Comforter. Uh, we're in that season, as we've said, between um, the resurrection, uh, which we commonly call Easter and uh, Pentecost, where we celebrate the infilling, the pouring out of the Spirit, the birth of the church. Can't be, uh, it can't be overemphasized. A lot of the American church and most of the church, a lot of it uh, really focuses on Easter, but the church was born on Pentecost. That's when we were empowered to be the people of God. In last week, we talked about our need to surrender control to God. And that's, that's, a, that's a hot button topic these days, surrendering control. People are scared to give up control to something uh, that they can't manipulate. We say that we're giving up control, but often it's negotiated control. Marriage is a giving up of a certain amount of control over your own life. Having children, again, is giving up of a certain amount of control over your life. You're giving your life to someone else. And coming to Jesus is the ultimate giving up of control over our lives. And we like to have certainty. We want to control the outcome. We go into relationships these days with a negotiated end in mind. I'll be committed to you as long as you do that. And you'll be committed to me as long as I meet these things. And Jesus just says, lay down your life and trust me. Man, this has been hard for a lot of people in this season. Just, I don't know what's coming, what's happening. But I know God is calling me to give up control. And many of us deal with the fruit of this. But here's the root problem. Many times we've simply not been convinced that God has a good plan and that His Spirit wants to work all things together for good. 
That, that's the root of it. And we just need to be honest with ourselves. We just are, have not been convinced that God's plans for us are good. That when we give up our life, he actually cares about what's happening day to day. But friend, he does. He does. And I can absolutely say to you today, you can trust God. During this time of <clears throat> this pandemic and the coronavirus, I know some of you, like your life has just gotten busier. It's, it hasn't gotten any easier. We talk about a lockdown, but you haven't experienced a lockdown. But many of us have. I mean, we're isolated at home, if nothing else. And we've sat around with our thoughts, with our emotions. And many of us, as we've sat around and we've just kind of looked at this season and looked at our lives and especially at the beginning of this thing, we've made decisions like, I want to be a better person. I hope today I can kind of help you move in that direction. But as a Christian, we, we, we want to be better people. I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a better employee. I want to be a better friend, a better spouse, and ultimately just a, a, a better child of God. This is what we want. This is what we desire. And at Revival Life Church, my, my wife, Tracy, and I, we want you to be the best you you can be. We want you to be just the ultimate version of you. Now, I don't want to bring condemnation. Uh, we, we don't want you to um, be under some sort of heavy, weighty cloud of judgment. And let me tell you the difference. Here's what condemnation does. Condemnation leads you to the question, what's wrong with me? What's, if you've heard yourself in maybe your valleys, maybe in your times of darkness, and you said, what's wrong with me? That's not the Holy Ghost, friend. That, that's not God. That's, that's the voice of condemnation. There, there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. Now, give me a second to get there, and I'm going to convince you of this. But we're going to walk through a little theology just so we can lay a nice, firm foundation that, as Paul said, we can give an account for our faith. All right. We all know that Jesus died for us. Every Christian knows that we we quote it. John 3, 16. We know that that's that's not anything that we need to be convinced of. But the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the significance of this is Jesus died for a relationship with God. It's not a reward for us doing something right. Salvation is not a reward. This is not a God stamp that we did good things. It's truly an open door to a relationship. Before we could ever do anything for God, he died for us. Now, Jesus didn't do something good for us, the sacrifice on the cross, so that we would do something good for him. He didn't do something good for us so that we would live a better life. He didn't do something for us to get anything out of us. There was no ulterior motive, as we say. There was none of that. It was pure love. Now, don't get me wrong. Sin has always been an offense to God. And Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin 
that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't just die for us, though. Here's the huge difference. He became, he who knew no sin became sin. He actually died as us. Not just for us, but as us. Jesus was nailed to the cross, but so was our old man. Now, if he just died for us, and that's all that happened, then that could bring guilt. That, that could bring shame that my sin caused him to go to the cross. And that could cause, and, and in some Christian traditions, they super focus on that, and it brings guilt. There's this constant focus on the pain that we caused God. But again, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says it this way. He says, the love of God controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Now watch this here. It's not just that Jesus was wonderful and you're awful. Follow me here. I mean, it's true. God is wonderful and we'll never measure up. But in the mind of God, we were all executed on the cross. All of our old natures died on the cross. Not, not just Jesus. We partook in his crucifixion. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, she or he is a new creature, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things. Behold, new things. Behold, wonderful things have come. Here's the significance of this. My pre-Jesus life, it's, it's not just what I used to do. It's not before Jesus, this is what I used to do. It's before Jesus, it's who I used to be. Before Christ, it's not just this, he was good so that I can be good. No, no. I used to be that person and that person was nailed to the cross. If it was just about punishment of sin, then all we would need is death, right? And this is super important. If all God was doing was satisfying his wrath, if just somebody needed to be punished, all we'd need is the death. That's all we need. We'd have a sin offering and Jesus died and everything's good. But you and I know that the story doesn't end there. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that, this is why, we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. It wasn't just payment for sin. It wasn't just that I did bad things and now I'm forgiven. It was to become something. It was to become the righteousness of God. Now, a few weeks ago, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday again. And Jesus was crucified on the cross, and we're so happy that Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus came to life. We come to life with him. If you're kind of new to this Christian thing, this is the great news. Not only did he die, he came back from the dead. If it was just about sin and behavior, he didn't need to come back. He could have just been transported to heaven spiritually. But he actually came back to dead to show that we will come back from our dead sinful state of sin. And because Jesus came out of the grave, 
hope can live in us again. That's great, great news. We can become brand new through faith in Jesus Christ. We died on the cross with him. We come alive with him again in resurrection. It's a big deal. It was the end of the sin nature on the cross. Now, Galatians, Paul said it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is the new creation. You are the new Jerusalem waiting for God to come and fill this dedicated temple. This is why we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is the reason. Now, there's this uh, Bible term called consecrated. You were consecrated to God at salvation. Consecrated means to set it apart. You know, like you might have a really good set of silverware or a good set of dishes that you only use for special occasions. We have a good set of um, candlesticks that we bust out for nice times. You might have some special wine glasses. Well, God, way back in the day, said, there are certain things you need to set apart just for me. And he called these things holy. He said, consecrate them, anoint them, set them apart. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are set apart for God. You have been consecrated. You have been made holy. Now, just like the, old, the temple was set apart for God, it was dedicated to the Lord, it was consecrated, it was made holy, and the reason was so that God can fill it with his own spirit, that he could come to live in that temple. Now, at salvation, you become the temple of Holy Spirit. By faith, you have been consecrated, you've been set apart, waiting for the Spirit to come live on the inside of you. That's Pentecost. We are now called the temple of Holy Spirit. Now, I say all that to get back to my point. It's not what you used to do, it's who you now are. Not about, man, I was awful, I was a terrible person, it was... Now I'm a new person, alive in God. And here is the challenge. God came to make a supernatural version of you. What you try to do on your own, how you try to fix your own life, how you try to be a better person, those are all natural. That's all flesh. It, it won't produce the righteousness of God. The only way you make a new supernatural version of you is by the power of Holy Spirit. Only God can do it. We yield to him. We surrender control to him. We give up our lives so that he could come and empower us for this new supernatural version of us. I have seen so many times that as people go on this journey and they want to become the best version of themselves, and they start to see who they really are and, and they don't really like it. They deny who they really are as if that pleases God. Maybe we have a role model and we want to be like them or we have a, a preacher or a pastor or 
some saint who's been alive longer than us that we want to be like a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. And we're like, man, if I could just be like them, if I could have a personality like them, then, and we deny who we are. Now, we can fall into these traps and we take these personality tests and we want to see what makes us tick. And we can fall into this trap of thinking that there's good personalities and bad personalities. That there's personalities we want to have and personalities we don't want to have. And the language I have come to learn is that there are no good or bad personalities. They're just healthy versions and unhealthy versions of every type of personality. Now, no matter what personality test you take or just allow Holy Spirit to reveal it, you know, you could be an emotional personality. You could be a challenger or you could be what some people call a, a type A or a phlegmatic. There's all these different personality tests and different terms and groups. They put them in. But oftentimes when we find out who we are, we want to be someone else. And it's, it's unfortunate. Now, in the beginning, God created everything. Hear me on this. John 1.3, all things, everything was created through Jesus Christ. And apart from him, nothing that came into being was created. Nothing was created apart from God. You were born in the mind of God. You were born in God's heart. He had a plan for you before you were formed in your mother's womb and he created you on purpose you weren't a surprise to god you're here on purpose and he created who you are the enemy wants you to think that you need to become someone else it's funny no matter what personality type you are quite often people want to be a different one but god created you who you are on purpose you could think man the real me is, is dangerous, you know? My personality is, it's not enough or it's lacking in some way. If only I had something else. If only God had created me different. If only it could lead to that question, what's wrong with me? Friend, if, if you're in Christ, you have to stop thinking that way. Without Holy Spirit bringing His power to your thoughts, we go through life trying to figure out our own purpose. We go through life just trying to fill in the gaps or plugging the holes or trying to answer the question, what's wrong with me? And unfortunately, without Holy Spirit speaking, the enemy has a loud voice in that conversation. He exploits these insecurities that we all have. He exploits this comparison that we go through. We have to be able to discern the voice of God from our own internal voice, from the voice of the enemy. There's the voice of God, there's our internal voice, and there's the voice of the enemy. The voice of God, the conviction of Holy Spirit tells you what you're doing is bad. The voice of the enemy, the voice of condemnation says who you are is bad. Conviction says what you're doing is bad. Condemnation says who you are is bad. The voice of God, the conviction says, turn to God so he can redeem your real value. The voice of the enemy, 
the voice of condemnation says, if anybody finds out about this, if you turn to people who love you, they're not going to love you anymore and they're going to judge you. The voice of condemnation says, hide it. The voice of God says, hey, bring it out into the light. I want to heal. I want to make it whole. We need to bring God into these conversations about our identity. We have to bring God into these conversations about our personality. And just like in this season, some of us have just had too much time alone and it hasn't bred a lot of God thoughts, unfortunately. It's bred a lot of thoughts of what's wrong with me. And I just feel like God wants to just heal some of that today. So I can just kind of give you a couple tips. And if you're taking notes, you know, on your phone or on some paper, I just want you to write a couple things down that you can, when you get alone with God, ask some of these questions with God because we need to be purposeful in our thought life. Otherwise, we don't even recognize how much of our old man is controlling our thoughts. Well, you don't recognize the negative cognitions, as my therapist calls it. These negative thoughts that we have in our head. I, I, I thank God for every counselor out there. I thank God uh, that a um, long time ago, uh, I was convinced that it's good to talk to people. And I'm glad that I do. And I hope you do as well. Be it a professional, amateur, best friend. I mean, talk to your dog if you've got nobody else. But join a prayer group. Be in relationship. Talk to people. But in this conversation, hear me. We need someone to say, whoa, where did that thought come from? That doesn't sound like God. And you need to be a friend who says, where did that come from? That doesn't sound like God. So here's a couple questions. If you have been struggling, or even if you want to grow in your identity in God, here's a couple questions I want you to ask God this week to kind of help clean your thoughts and come into who God has created us to be. You ready? Okay, write this one down. What is the most beautiful version of me? Go to God in prayer. And when you're worshiping and you're just alone and you get out a journal and get out your pen or, you know, ready to write down some stuff, ask God, Lord, show me what is the most beautiful version of me in your sight. Ask him things like, when, what were you thinking when you created me? Not, not, not like, hey, what were you thinking? Like, hey, you had good thoughts of me when you created me. Can you tell me what you were thinking? What, what, where did I fit into all this? What was your goal in creating me? What did you think? How did I fit in this big thing called life? And show me the beautiful version of me that you envisioned before I entered my mother's womb. Be brave. Ask good questions of God about you. Right? Allow Him, by His Spirit, to compliment you. Now, we understand. Again, we've already talked about it. Sin has always been an offense to God. This, we're, we're talking about in Christ here, right? Don't, don't get into judgment. Don't get into, I have to be sin-focused, because that's just not what the Bible says. Who did you create me to be? Ready? Here's the second question. Write it down. What do I look like when I am at my best. Now, if you have fallen into the trap to think that 
your personality type is the wrong one and somebody else's is the right one, you're going to be surprised when you ask God, what do I look like when I'm at my best? Just get in prayer and ask him. Like, and then begin to ask yourself, when I'm at my best, when I feel my healthiest, when I'm around other people and I'm really like, being loving, being the person God called me to be, how do the people around me feel? And try to picture it. What happens to the room when I walk in and I'm at my best? When I'm at my best and I'm feeling healthy, who do I connect with? What do I look like when I'm at my best, right? Now, for those of you who are like a little scared of emotion or don't, don't get up and get coffee. I'm almost done. You can make it through this. I believe in you, right? We can do a little introspection by the power of Holy Spirit. You can make it through this, right? And uh, if you are sitting there thinking, man, this person on the couch next to me needs to hear this, I'm actually talking to you, right? We're talking to you right now. I'm talking to me. We're in this together. We're going to become the best version of us, right? Last question here, write it down. What am I doing when I am most helpful? What am I doing? Now you and Holy Spirit get together and answer these questions. What am I doing when I'm most helpful? And this really goes to the question of what is the gift of God in your life? How did God create you to add value to other people. What are you doing when you're most helpful? Now, these kind of questions that we bring God into the conversation of, this helps us form our real identity, not this condemnation, I need to be somebody else. Maybe you're a perfectionist. Now, perfectionists get a lot of grief. Uh, my wife is a perfectionist. Um, uh, Sarah Pagano uh, is is she leans towards perfectionism. These are both ministers in our in our church, and they get a lot of grief because people don't like being challenged by perfectionists. And and if you're a perfectionist, you might think, man, I need to stop this. I, I need to I need to I need to stop this perfection. No 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 no. What you see, you see what what needs to be made right. We need you. We just need the healthiest version of you, like we do with every gift. Maybe you're a helper, and, and, and helpers, like, you keep thinking, man, if I was healthy, I wouldn't be a helper. I'd be the leader. I wouldn't be helping someone else. I'd be the one every... No, 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 that, that, that's wrong. God has gifted you to help people achieve more than they ever could on their own. You have to value that gift on the inside of you. If you're, if you're a challenger, you could somehow allow the enemy to whisper in your ear that if you're the real you, you're going to hurt people or people can't flourish as themselves. Wrong. Jesus made you the way you are. The world needs you to help them see things from a new perspective. This, you, you have to, you, you can't fall into this trap of trying to Think that you know what you should be better than God did when he created you. 
We need to just allow ourselves to be that person God created us to be. Now, we've all made mistakes. But hear me, none of us are our mistakes. That's not who you are, friend. Just like you aren't what you've created. We are who we are through what Jesus did for us. Maybe your mistakes have messed up your marriage. Maybe your mistakes have messed up relationships in your life. Maybe, maybe it's caused you a job or maybe your family is suffering right now because of your mistakes. Listen, you got to forgive yourself. You have to forgive and do what you can to make it better. You have to forgive and you have to move on. We all have pain in our lives and we all have hurts buried in our souls. And the enemy wants you to think that these hurts are going to taint your personality and you can't go there because it's going to kill you. Friend, it's not. Be brave. God is with you. Jesus is praying for you. Face those areas of your life. Don't allow the enemy to blackmail you any longer. Be real with your weaknesses. Now, I know some of you have suffered abuse, even from childhood. And some of you have made terrible mistakes in your lives. And some of you have had to spend your life fighting for survival. I get it but we have to be honest with ourselves about our weaknesses. In our weakness, we find the strength of God. We don't find it in our strength, we find it in our weakness. The lie says we have to avoid our weaknesses because they will uncover how bad we really are. The truth is, if we face our weaknesses, we can uncover how good God is. This is the truth. You don't need to become someone else. You already became someone else when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. He created you with the personality you have. As you go to God with these issues and you allow God to uncover, you're going to find Christ the healer. You're going to find his spirit working to make you whole. This filling of the spirit, it's not a one-time experience. It's an ongoing experience for believers. And I know today in this season, maybe you haven't accomplished all you wanted to accomplish so far in this lockdown. Maybe you set some goals and, hey, his mercies are new every day. Today, let's get a fresh crack at being the healthiest version of us. Today, let's take a new swing at working through some of these issues that we've dragged into adulthood from childhood. Today, let's decide by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am going to be the healthiest version of myself I can be. I'm going to partner with God in being the best version of me I can be. For some of you, that means go ahead and texting, 97,000 texting, RLC join. And some of you, it's you're going to join a life group. You're going to join a prayer group. and You're going to actually make relationship with people. Some of you, we're going to pray together right now and just get a fresh commitment to Jesus and start all over again. 
And you're going to pray with us right now. Everybody, out loud, no matter where you're at, let's all pray this together. And let's just pray that I'm ready to take a fresh crack at this being a Christ follower. Ready? Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus. Jesus. I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that you came back from the dead. And I believe that you sent your spirit. Wash me clean of my sin. Forgive me of what I did wrong. Ha. And give me my new life. Ha. Fill me with your spirit. Today I'm a follower of you. Ha. I'm ready for a fresh start. Hallelujah. If you prayed for that, that for the first time, I want you to text RLC join to 97,000. That's, that's the number, right, Pastor Tracy? Yeah. RLC join to 97,000. We want to pray with you. We want to send you some free stuff. And uh, we, we want to celebrate with you. And um, I just, I really I appreciate you joining us, being a part of our community. Uh, I, 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 I super appreciate you trusting us with your walk and, and, and learning in this season. And I just appreciate everybody who I'm living life with in this season. Let's not do it alone. Let's watch each other grow. Let's bring what we have to the table and help the people around us be the best version of them they can be. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. I thank you for these beautiful people. I pray that you would bless them in their finances. Father, I pray for everybody who hasn't gotten their stimulus check yet. Father, that you would loose it in the name of Jesus. These people who are uh, in housing transition, you would help them in the name of Jesus. These people who are in between jobs, you would help them in the name of Jesus. And these people who are lonely, Father, show them you're not alone, but you are loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for my wife and this whole team here today. We're so appreciative. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you throughout the week online.